0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, Carlisle. In Ecclesiastes, we discover that a life spent in pursuit of pleasure, achievement, and control will ultimately leave us empty-handed. Life isn't about what we can obtain, but about what we already have, and learning to receive it from God with gratitude. Welcome to Ecclesiastes, Life as Gift, Not Gain. Good morning. Good morning. My name is James Fields. I serve here as the lead pastor at Soldier Church Carlisle, and it's indeed a great privilege and honor to be with you today um, to be able to preach and proclaim God's word at the best church in the city of Louisville. Um, today we're going to embark upon an, our sermon series, continue through our sermon series in the book of Ecclesiastes, and this sermon series is entitled, WISE. Living life as a gift and not as something to gain. Let me repeat that. Our sermon series is entitled, Wise, Living Life as a Gift, Not as Something to Gain. You see, in Ecclesiastes 2, 18 through 23, Solomon here explores the notion of work. And he discusses the ramification of justifying one's purpose according to one's work. And he also rightly concludes that while hard work is good and beneficial, it will bear no lasting fruit for those who work solely to obtain money and gain material possessions. Hence, Solomon reflects on the main question in our text. The main question of our text is found in verse 22 when Solomon asked this question. For what does a person get with all his work and all his efforts that he labors at under the sun? In other words, if everything is meaningless, why should you work hard at all? So let me ask you a question. What causes you to get up in the morning? To go to work every day? What motivates you to work so hard, to work those extra hours, those long hours, maybe even overtime? See, in, in, in 2015, a guy, this guy right here, Lunch Money Lewis, wrote a, a semi popular song at the time that accurately describe my reasoning for going to work every day. The song is entitled, Bills. And here's the lyrics, if you don't know it. I got bills, I gots to pay. So I'm gonna work, work, work every day. I've got mouths that I gots to feed. So I'm gonna make sure everybody eats would you pray with me? Father, we do love you and we do praise you for the gift of work and the ability to work, but we pray and ask, Lord, that our work will be redeemed and renewed by our King. Jesus, would you give us a renewed vision and renewed purpose of what it means to work to the glory of your name and for the good of those around us, including our families. Father, we confess that we have often idolized work to be something and made it into something that you have not made it to be. It's not our God. You are our God and you are our King. Heal us, redeem us, restore us, God, in every way to see see our work rightly in the way that you see it and empower us, God, to leave from this service today with the right view of seeing our work in view of who you are, and not making work as an idol unto itself. We love you and thank you in every way. We ask that you would be with us, make your word clear, make it understandable, so that Lord, we may grow, and may we may be changed by the power of your word. May some soul be saved, and may minds be transformed for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Caveat emptor. Caveat emptor is a Latin word for buyer beware. It is a principle that the buyer holds primary responsibility for checking the quality and substance of his or her goods before it is purchased. Solomon provides a similar warning for us earlier in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 2, and also Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 11. Do you remember these words of Solomon earlier on in our series? He says, absolute futility, says the teacher, absolute futility. Everything is futile, verse 1 read. Verse 11 is quite similar. It says, there is no remembrance of those who came before... And of those who will come after, there will also be no remembrance of those who follow after them. Today, Solomon is emphatically shouting to us, caveat emptor, which essentially means sold as is. Solomon is letting us know that life is what you're going to get out of it. And he shares three realities to warn us of the futility of work. He warns us, number one, our work won't remain with us. We see that in verses 18 through 19. Number two, he reminds us that our work won't return to us. We see that in verse 21. And then lastly, he reminds us that our work won't restore us, looking at verses 22 through 23. Look with me at verse 18, 18 and 19. Solomon writes these words. He says, I hated all my work that I labored at under the sun because I must leave it to the one who comes after me and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will take over my labor, excuse me, he will take over my work that I labored at skillfully under the sun. This too is futile. So we have to pause and ask ourselves, Solomon... How can you hate this world? I mean, Solomon is thriving in it. I mean, you're living the life, bro. Remember what Solomon said in chapter 1 about his achievements? He says in chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, he says, I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself and planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself. He continues on through verses 8 through 10. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and providences. I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure. You see, the word hate here that is being described in verse 18, isn't being used to indicate utter despair, but is being used to state a relative contrast in absolute terms. Solomon is saying that he finds life to be deeply unsatisfying. Solomon is saying that life for him, even though he's amassed all of these riches and all of these glories, life has lost much of its sweetness and much of its significance. Have you ever experienced the despair of life? I mean, it's like Groundhog's Day, right? You wake up the same way, you cook the same food, you say goodbye in the same manner, You drive the same roads to the same job or school. You go to the same job, into the same office, before the same screen. You're looking at the same people, and most likely you're having the same problems that just continue to not be solved. When you're all done, at the end of the day, you drive home the same way. You open the same refrigerator. You sit at the same table. You cook at the same stove. You say the same things before you pray over your meal. You eat the same type of meal each and every day. I mean, it's like running on a hamster wheel. Same thing all day, every day. Same problems, same struggles, same issues, same concerns. Has, am I the only one that experiences this? Oh, I hope not. It's a good reminder for us of the first point of our sermon today, that our work won't remain with us. Our work won't remain with us. What, what does this mean? Well, what it means is that we'll have to give our work away to someone else eventually. That God has not created work to be the self-fulfilling thing that fills us and gives us meaning. And Solomon goes further he wisely reminds us of the, of the fact in verse 19 of who knows whether or not the person you have to give your stuff to will be wise or be a fool. Well, why is this important, Pastor James? Well, Solomon knows what he's talking about. In 1 Kings chapter 12, Solomon's son Rehoboam became his immediate successor to the throne to serve as a king of Israel. And under Solomon's leadership, the the kingdom was strong, the kingdom was united, and the kingdom was cohesive. But under Rehoboam's leadership, the kingdom was unstable, the kingdom was fractured, and the kingdom was divided. How did Israel become a divided nation under Rehoboam's leadership? Well, upon the death of Solomon, Rehoboam becomes king. And at his coronation, at his big party, the people of Israel came to their new king, Rehoboam, and they made a simple request. They said, your father's workload on us was too harsh. Please lighten the workload, and we will gladly serve you. Rehoboam considered this their request. He went to the elders and Solomon's council and asked for their advice. And they said to him, today, if you will be a servant to these people and serve them, If you respond to them by speaking kind words to them, they will be your servants forever. However, Rehoboam didn't follow wise counsel. He actually rejected their vice and he thereby asked his friends to craft a a, a statement of response to the people's desire to have their workload lightened. Here's the response they came up with in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 11. They, they, they told him to say this, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Although my father burdened you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with barbed whips. Church family, this is a good reminder for us that rejecting wise, godly counsel will always lead us to despair. Rejecting wise, godly counsel will always lead us to despair. Look with me at verse 20. So I began to give myself over to despair concerning all of my work that I labored at under the sun. Notice with me that we're being shown that our work won't work until we first understand our why. Let me repeat that. Notice with me that Solomon is showing us that our work won't work until we first understand our why. I love what Simon Sinek says in his good book, Start With Why. He says these words. He says, most of the answers we get when based on sound evidence are perfectly valid. However, if we're starting with the wrong questions, if we don't understand the cause of something, then even the right answers will always steer us wrong eventually. The truth you see is always revealed eventually. So let me ask you, what's the why of your work? I'm not asking you the how of your work. I'm not asking you what you do. I'm asking you, what is the why of your work? What's your motivation? What's your purpose for working? What's your reasoning for working? Beloved, if you are having struggles with work, don't start with the what, don't start with the the how, start with the why. Because Solomon's thesis is clear in the, the book of Ecclesiastes, it's very clear. Life is short, you will die, and you will be forgotten. That's the thesis. If we can summarize the book of Ecclesiastes in 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 one sentence, that is is it. Life is short, you will die, and you will be forgotten. Now, I know that is a point, maybe despair for some of us even in this room. Some of you right now are thinking to yourselves, so what's the point of working then? Right? If life is short, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be forgotten. Why do I need to do this thing called work? Look with me at verse 21 as Solomon affirms the reality of your frustration in his own life. Look at verse 21. When there is a, pers- a person whose work had- was done with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and he must give his portion to a person who has not worked for it, this too is futile and a great wrong. In other words, Solomon feels your pain, y'all. He feels your pain. He understands what you're going through, your frustration. Riddle me this. Have you ever seen this picture? I don't know if it's going to come up, but we'll see. Nope, okay, it's not going to come up. That's okay. Have you ever witnessed a U-Haul in a funeral pre- a possession, procession? Or have you ever witnessed a U-Haul being towed behind a hearse? That, that, that is a picture that is unfathomable, but but obviously someone was doing it for some particular reason. Notice with me that not only will our work not remain with us, but also our work won't return to us. You see, the word hevel, the word futile here is translated hevel um, in, in Hebrew. And hevel is a Hebrew word to describe futility or futile works or meaningless works. It refers to the meaninglessness of the life outside of God's presence, protection, and provision. Hence, as a wise old sage, Solomon graciously reminds us that pleasure and success apart from God's hand can never bring true satisfaction within this life. Let me say that again. Solomon graciously reminds us that pleasure and success apart from God's hand can never bring true satisfaction within this life. Well, why can't we find true satisfaction within this life? Well, well the reason is simple. The reason is, is quite simple. It's because trying to find true satisfaction in this life, trying to find satisfaction in this life apart from God, is like trying to grasp after smoke. (laughs) I'm trying to get it. I see it. I want it. But every time I try to obtain it, I can't quite get it. It's a good reminder for us that our work is futile. It is elusive. You you really can't figure it out without God's help. Our work is finite. It is temporal. The benefits of work are short-lived because we're short-lived. But Also, our work is faint, meaning that it has all form with no substance, And it will always take more than it gives. So not only will our work not return to us, but look with me at verses 22 and 23 as we see that our work won't restore us. Look with me at verses 22 and 23. It says, what does a person get with all of his work and all of his efforts that he labors at under the sun? All of his days are filled with grief and his occupation is sorrowful even at night His mind does not rest. This too is futile. Notice the words of Solomon here. Notice the words of Solomon. His mind does not rest. Can you resonate with Solomon's sentiments here? Are you always worrying about money? Are you forever worried about losing your money? Are you constantly concerned about not having enough money? Pastor James, why can't our minds find rest when, it, when it's absorbed with obtaining wealth, prosperity, and riches? Proverbs gives us a clear answer. Listen to Proverbs 23:5. Talks about wealth in this way. As soon as your eyes fly to it, wealth that is, it disappears. For it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Has anyone anyone ever had that type of experience with wealth? I see some head nods. Thank you. I know I have. Listen to Proverbs 27, 24. It says, for wealth is not forever. Not even a crown lasts for a lifetime. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. Paul says these words to his protégé Timothy. He says, "Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy." It's a good reminder for us this morning, church, that there's no amount of money that will grant your soul rest. Why? Because you can always make another dollar. There's no amount of money that will grant your soul rest. Why not, Pastor James? Well, it's simple, because our works won't restore us. They weren't made to restore us. For the past three weeks, I've had a huge dilemma. My car wouldn't start. (laughs) And I couldn't find out why I've been traveling and I haven't had a chance to really dig into it. I tried to jump it multiple times to no avail. That's the only, I'm not a handy guy. The only thing I know how to do is jump a car. And the one thing I knew how to do wasn't working. I was getting frustrated, so finally I asked someone to come and help. Actually, that person is here today. I didn't ask their permission to let them know who who, who that person is, so I'm not. But the person came to my rescue and helped me out, came to my house, and this is what we saw. Wasn't quite that gross, but it was on par with that. And if you don't know what that is, that is corrosion that builds up on your battery. There's there's an acid that can build up on your battery that causes your your car not to work at its proper function. And my solution (laughs) was to see that corrosion and still try to hook up cables, because I'm like, oh, that that really doesn't matter. You know, that a. Something to happen to it. Maybe it'll fry off when I kind of jump the car, if you will. See, just as my car battery couldn't work because of the corrosion that was surrounding it, so too our work can't find true meaning and purpose within this life until we are fully surrendered to the power, the presence, and authority of Jesus. It's a good reminder for us that our work won't work again until we first understand our why. Listen to Jesus' clear invitation to surrender in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29. He says these words, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let me stop right there just for a minute. Notice the prere- prerequisite to coming to Jesus. You must admit and acknowledge that you are wearisome and you have a great burden. And, and, G- and Jesus says, listen, if you can acknowledge that, and if you can put down your pride in that, and if you can humbly submit to the fact that you are in need of something greater, than you can provide for yourself once you get to that place Jesus says, and at that moment, I can give you rest. But it it, it has to start with us admitting before God and admitting before one another that we are weary and we are burdensome. Some of us are not finding rest in our lives because we won't do step one. The very first thing we have to do is, 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 is acknowledge before God that, God, I need you need you because my life is like Groundhog's Day. Work is meaningless. I have no joy. I have no happiness. Everything I do, it it seems like it has no purpose or meaning. Start there, my friends. Start there. Don't don't ignore the corrosion on the battery. (laughs) The corrosion is there for a purpose. You know why my battery was so corroded? Was because I wasn't, I was neglecting my battery. I just wanted to start. I wanted to take me from A to B. I didn't care what was going on under, under the hood. But something happened in my life where the battery stopped and I could no longer do what I wanted to do and I had to pause and take notice of what was really was going on. Let me preach here for a moment. Sometimes God causes interruptions in your life. To slow you down, to acknowledge what's really going on in the inside. And he does that not to hurt you, but he wants you to know that listen, there are some things that you need to attend to that on the inside regarding your heart. Don't ignore the pausing of God in your life. For me, it was my car being stopped for three weeks. For you, it may look different. It may look like an unexpected health bill. It may look like a passing of a loved one. It may look like funds that aren't coming the way that they normally should come or would come. Maybe it looks like kids being disobedient in a way that you haven't seen them being disobedient before. Maybe it's health issues. Don't ignore... The pauses that God places in our life, they're there for a reason. And God, in in his sovereign grace, allowed me the opportunity to stop and to admit that I needed him. And not only did I need him, I needed someone in the community that he's placed me within to come alongside me, to help me. To comfort me and give me instruction in ways and to do things that I myself am not equipped or able to do. Or or, or listen to me, are you humble enough to ask for help? Whenever Jesus wanted to show the greatest in the kingdom, he never went to kings, he often went to children. And one thing that we see in children, especially our babies, is that they're not afraid to ask for help. Mama, that's why some of us are tired right now and probably falling asleep. though so kids have just been asking you and begging you to do different things. Like our children, God also invites us to come before him and say, Daddy, I need. <laughs> Daddy, I need. Daddy I, Daddy, I desire. Daddy, I need you to show up. Daddy, I need you to give me power. Daddy, I need you to give me joy, give me purpose in my work. So what is Jesus' invitation? What does it mean? What is Jesus inviting us to do? It means that in Christ, listen to me, it means that in Christ, you can return to the goodness of work. Well, how can that be done? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Soldier, Soldier in Church Carlisle, beloved, the, the reason you feel broken, the reason you feel insecure, the reason you feel ashamed and maybe even afraid is because of sin. Sin that you've committed, but also sin committed against you. But Christ became the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God. That is called redemption. But not only that, at the cross, Christ absorbs our brokenness, he absorbs our sin, and he exchanges it with his own righteousness. That is called imputation. And then he boldly declares us clean. That's called justification. Listen to me. When, when Jesus died at the cross, it's more than just a man hanging on the cross. There were there were theological, um, there were theological. renewal that was happening. There was a a substitution of the brokenness of this world with the wholeness that only Christ can offer. Let me tell you that in my three weeks of having my battery dead, I was, man, I was really perplexed. I didn't know what to do. But listen, I had to purchase a new battery, right? I had to get something new. I couldn't use the, the, the same old thing, right? I couldn't use the same old battery, but not only that, after I bought that new battery, I didn't have to take it to my house and I had to get someone to come alongside to me to do what I didn't know how to do myself to exchange this battery. So it's not just about me getting a new battery, but then I had to get that new battery and then I had to take out the old one and put in the new one. Not only that, (laughs) I then had to have confidence that every time I turned that key and I turned the ignition on, that it would work. Listen, the work that Christ has done on your behalf, it is full, it is complete, and it's sufficient. So every time you see me driving around, listen, I just want you to wave to me and say, yeah, God did that. (laughs) God did that. And not only did God do that for me, but he also can do that for you. He can also do that for you. He desires to do that for you in every way. Soldier Church Carla I invite you to receive this message. I invite you to allow Jesus to teach you from the wisdom of the preacher in three ways. Listen to the wisdom of the preacher as it becomes apparent to us. Number 1, expect work under the sun to be hard. Expect work to be hard. Nowhere in the Bible are we taught that our vocations will be easy. Raising children, building lesson plans, writing sermons, cultivating a garden, serving people on a regular basis. These things are hard and difficult and work will be difficult. So guess what? Don't be surprised by hard days. What's the solution? (laughs) Here's the solution. Find the why of your work and receive your freedom in Christ. Again, notice with me that our work won't work as long as we don't fully understand our why. So not only should we expect work to be hard, number two, we should know that Christ frees us to work work life as a gift and not just as something to gain. You see, the cross of Jesus frees us to work from a place of gratitude and not gain. Listen, <laughs> for a guy who doesn't know, uh, very is not very handy, I'm very proud that I was able to come alongside the person that came and helped me to change my battery. Um, listen, I didn't do, he did about 95% of the work, I just did about 5%. But I'm proud of that. Why? Because I was involved in it. And every time I start that car, I have a gratitude not just to God, but even to the person who took time out to help me solve this problem of my, my car not starting. In other words, we are free by Christ to work to work as an act of worship to God. We are free by Christ. to to, to work as an act of worship from a place and posture of freedom and sincerity with nothing to prove and no one to impress. Love what Colossians 3.17 says. Listen to Paul's words. This is whatever you do in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Pastor Fields, how do I know if I'm truly... Working life as a gift and not as something in game. Because typically when we are working life as a gift, we are thankful. We're grateful. It's also a good reminder for us that our ordinary, everyday, normal obedience matters to God. Listen to me. Your everyday, normal obedience Ordinary obedience matters to God. A lot of us, we want the big things. We want the the six-figure jobs or the seven-figure jobs or the seven-figure IRA plan. But you know how you get that? You don't get that simply because you you want that. You get that by starting with the $100 IRA plan and being faithful there you start that by being faithful with what God has given you. And as you're faithful with what God has given you, as you are steward over what God has given you, God then will bless your efforts as you're being faithful. Because the blessing isn't so much about getting more. The blessing is learning how to be faithful to God even when no one sees. That's the blessing. When no one sees you sweeping up Cheerios, folding up clothes, when no one sees you balancing your budget book, your, your, your bank book, when no one sees you helping and feeding those homeless, um, homeless people in the streets or the kids around the corner whose parents are, don't care about their, where, their well-being, our ordinary obedience is the blessing we receive. Learning to be, to be faithful to God in every aspect of our life. That's what God is after. That's what he's after. And as we learn to submit to God and we learn to be faithful to him in the ordinary things, God is, will be faithful to take our ordinary obedience and our ordinary faithfulness and to make and to bless it with more. How do you grow a garden? <laughs> you don't just plant something in the ground and just leave it. You care for it. You nurture it. You look after it. You love it. And as you do that, what happens? Growth, vitality, multiplication. So we should expect work to be hard. Number two, we should know that Christ frees you to work life as a gift and not as something to gain. Number three, we should work from gift and not gain. See, all of life is a gift when it's received with the heart of gratitude. Christ has freed us from the pressure to gain something from our work so now we can enjoy God's nearness even in our work and even when our work doesn't work. Galatians 5.1 puts it this way, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Slavery. So what's the solution, Pastor Fields? What's the solution? If seeking wealth is not the answer, what's the solution? Look with me to verses 24 to 27 as we conclude our time this morning. He says, there is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I have seen that even this from, is from God's hand because who can eat and who can enjoy life apart from him? For to the person who is pleasing in his sight, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner... He gives the task of gathering and accumulating in order to give to the one who is pleasing in God's sight. This, too, is futile in the pursuit of the wind. Here in these last few verses, we finally see a glimmer of hope within the book of Ecclesiastes. This is actually the the first time that Solomon gives us a glimmer of hope. And the hope is, 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 is very simple. He says in verse 24 and 25, There is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I have seen that even this is from God's hand. What Solomon is trying to do is to get our eyes off of ourselves and put it back on where it belongs, which is God, and realize that every good and perfect gift, as James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Heaven, where there's no shadow or variation of change. Do you hear me? Every good and perfect gift, everything good in your life comes from the good God that you serve, not from your hard work, not from your charisma, not from your credentials. Every good thing comes from God. And since it comes from God, we can't hold the glory unto ourselves, but we have to give it back to him. Solomon is encouraging us to take pleasure in what we've been given. Church family, I ask you, to humble your heart before God and, 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 and humbly ask him, God, help me to take pleasure in what you've given me. It's nothing wrong with asking God for more. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing asking God to increase or to bless. But listen, when we ask for more, it shouldn't come up from a place of self-centeredness or selfishness, it needs to come from a place of gratitude. So Solomon is encouraging us to take pleasure in what we've already been given, to simply enjoy everyday life as a gift from God and not as something to always gain. Will you pray with me? Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would draw near to us as your church and you would help us to live life as a gift from you. Father, forgive us where We have taken advantage and we have neglected everyday life. Simple, ordinary obedience is not being sufficient enough to honor you as our king. Father, I pray that you would slow us down. And you will remind us of the gift of simply be called children of the most high God. Pray that you would comfort our hearts in this way. You would strengthen our minds and you would give us much joy. In Christ. Pray for anyone in the sound of my voice who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray that you would draw them close even now, that they will recognize that they're living life apart from you, and they will repent of their sins, and they will turn to Christ, looking to him as the only one who can save them and to redeem them and restore them to rightness with God. I pray for those who already know Jesus, those who are walking with him, that you would align us, Lord, with your will, that you would give us hearts of gratitude and joy in the simple things of life. Help us to be faithful where we are and not always ask for more when we've not been faithful what you've already been given. Give us grateful hearts for the people that are around us, God. As a church, I pray that we would love well one another, And not just simply to grow for growth's sake, but Lord, help us to grow in love for you and love for one another, even right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we're going to celebrate a meal that speaks to the reality of Jesus being our Savior and Lord. That meal is called communion, and it is reserved, thank you, for the body of Christ. If you are not walking in surrender to Jesus, if you are not living your life according to the principles of Christ and how he has revealed himself in the scriptures. This meal is not for you. It's not to exclude you or to cause you to feel other than, but this meal is reserved for those who have been walking with Jesus and are called his children. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Let us take and eat that bread together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The same way he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. May we take that cup and drink it together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus went on to say that when I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom, may the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Amen. Amen. I'm James A.P. Fields, junior lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville, and we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.